Well, today I want to share just a few thoughts with you as we start a new year. It's a, it's a new year, there's new opportunities, there's new adventures, uh, lots of uh, new horizons ahead that we're going to come in contact with. And I wanted us just for the hour or so that we're together this morning, just to center our hearts, to focus our attention on um, giving God space to work in our life and do what He wants to do in us and through us this year. Uh, We've kind of stripped things down a little bit, as you can tell. Actually, for the entire month of January, we're just going to have a worship leader on acoustic guitar so that we can take some time and just focus our heart and our mind and our attentions um, on allowing God to have space. Uh, Let me segue there and just say that starting next week, we're going to start a four-week series called First Things First. First Things First. If, if you're like me, you've got um, a list of resolutions that you are hoping to keep with you throughout the year, some changes, some things that you want to amend about your lifestyle, about your diet, about your exercise regimen, about your finances, about your relationships. Um, and uh, we tend to have the same resolutions year after year. We just kind of try to state them differently so we don't feel bad that we didn't make progress with them the year before. And I want to take four weeks and look at four things that I believe can bring catalyst uh, into our life to make true change. Uh, so some things that before you go about seeking change, you need to embrace. Um, and I think it's going to be really helpful for us as a church, but specifically as individuals. So that'll start next week and continue through the month of January. But today, um, I wanted us just to kind of center our heart, like I said. Um, in, in just a bit, we're going to give you an opportunity to be served um, the Lord's table, Holy Communion, um, and just kind of center your heart and your mind on remembering Christ and what He's done for us. And we're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. And we're going to pray together as a church for what God has in store for us this year. But um, the theme of today is going to center around a a passage of Scripture found in the book of Isaiah. Um, And I'm going to read that for you in in just a moment. But uh, let me just say this. This passage has been on my heart for the last couple of weeks. And my prayer for you... um, both corporately as a church family and individually, has simply been centered in this scripture, um, that God would do some new things in your life this year, that God would do some new things in my life this year, that he would do some new things in the life of our church this year. Um, New things are something to get excited about at times. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Not all new things are shiny and not all new things are appealing. Um, But we want to have an attitude towards God this year that simply says, God, you can do something new in our midst and we'll embrace and we'll uh, accept and we'll run with you wherever you want to lead us. And we just want to have open hearts. And so uh, hopefully this will be a time for us just to kind of step back and center our hearts together today. Uh, Well, the book of Isaiah was written by a prophet. His name was Isaiah. Very good. You're tracking along. Proud of you. And Isaiah was... Um, he's actually the most quoted prophet from the Old Testament that's quoted in the writings of the New Testament. So um, he had a lot of great things to say, and he, he prophesied, he ministered in a time uh, where Israel was going through a lot of stuff. Uh, during his time um, in ministry, the The nation of Israel was actually a divided kingdom. In the north, you had the kingdom of Israel, and in the south, you had the kingdom of Judah, and they were divided. It was kind of a civil war, if you will, and so they separated ways, and 
Uh, Judah specifically in the south faced a lot of problems with the Assyrians. And as we're going to pick up in a few moments, uh, they were in exile with the Babylonians. And it seemed as if they were up against a wall and they were um, in exile. They were taken away from their homeland. They weren't allowed to be uh, where they wanted to be, where their hearts longed to be. And, and Isaiah prophesied in that avenue. Now, he wasn't just some street prophet that walked around blabbing and no one listened to him. He was actually running in company with kings. He had a lot of influence on the direction of the nation of Israel during this time, and God showed him a lot of favor, and so um, he is a well-recognized prophet, and I want to read a few verses for you today out of Isaiah chapter number 43 that hopefully will, will, will set well with you as you start a new year, as you look ahead to all that God has in store for you this year. And so I want to read for us Isaiah chapter number 43, starting in verse number 16. Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And then listen to what he says after he just reminded us of what God had done in the nation of Israel years before, as recorded in Exodus 14. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. See, I am doing a new thing. I want to talk to us about a new thing this morning. New is attractive for many of us. As long as we get to control what's new. We like new cars. We like new homes if it means that we get to upgrade what we currently have. We like new clothes and we like new shoes and we like new toys, material possessions. If they're new and they're things that we're used to having and we get to upgrade, we like new. We like to get new cell phones. We like to get new computers, new gadgets, new you name it. Because Things that become common to us become dull. And there's always something intriguing about something new that can take the place of something in our life. But how many of you got something new for Christmas that you didn't get extremely excited about? No show of hands because the person sitting next to you may have given it. And I respect your discernment and keeping your hand down. But let's just have eye contact for a minute and agree that at times we have received new things that we didn't get excited about that we didn't even want, that we didn't desire, that we had no intention of acquiring. Let me give you an example. My my wife, I try to listen to her in the weeks and months leading up to Christmas so that I can get her a surprise gift or two that would be based on something that she has mentioned in the past that she would like. And she had mentioned something. It was an article of clothing, and I bought it for her. But I bought the wrong size. Now, men... I know this, but I still made the mistake. And so let me just remind you, if you're going to make a mistake on the size of an article of clothing that you're going to get for your wife, it should be a size too small, right? You should get her something too small because it would say to her, oh, I'm sorry, I thought that, you know, this would be appropriate for you. But if you get your wife something that's too large, 
then it somehow communicates to her that you think that she's larger than she really is, and that's not a good thing. So I got my wife this gift, and I gave it to her, and I thought that she would be thrilled, and the first thing that she did was notice the size before she even got excited about it. She said, really? Really? When have you ever known me to wear this size? She wasn't excited about it at all, but when she took it back and exchanged it for the proper size, she's worn it all week. She loves it. If you get something new, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing, in our opinions. But if you get to control the direction of the newness, you get to pick out the clothes, if you get to pick out the gadgets, if you get to pick out what you're getting, then new is always refreshing. It's always energizing. It always causes us to enjoy the newness. Old things get stale. We get commonplace. We get tired of the same old, same old. But I've also come to find that many of us don't like change. And so when new causes a different approach or a different method or a new way of doing things, we don't like new. For instance, if you were to give me a PC, a computer, Windows, whatever that stuff is these days, I would go crazy because I'm a Mac guy. I'm an Apple guy. So if someone were to give me something or a system or a software that I had to use only on a PC, I would absolutely hate it. I, I couldn't. I would just twitch all day. I would just, I would hate life. I couldn't do it. I, I've worked on my grandparents' computer from time to time, and I just want to punch it because it just doesn't make sense to me. But some of you are PC people, and you look at Mac's you look at Apple computers and you think that they're just of the devil, maybe. I don't know. You hate it. You hate it. You're a PC person. We're all different. But we don't like to change. Changing bank accounts is not something that you get excited about, per se. There are different nuances of the way that you do things that when you change, you don't like. And so many of us grow accustomed to the way things are. In fact, to a deficit, many of us will endure hardship on the altar of change because we don't want to change. We will put up with things that we're not excited about or that we don't want to embrace. So for us as a church, as people, this year in 2016... To have an open heart like I'm going to ask us to have in just a few moments and say, God, I want you to do a new thing in my life. What I mean is not, God, I want you to do something the way I want you to do it. And I want it to look the way I want it to look. And I want you to fulfill specific details on my wish list so that I can enjoy the blessings that you're sending me. But rather, I'm asking us to take a step back even further and just say, God, in 2016, no matter what lies ahead, I want to embrace something new from you. And sometimes God sends things our way that don't seem like blessings in the moment. You know, this year, there are going to be those of us who are going to deal with tragedies of different sizes and different sorts. I can't stand up here today and say God's going to do a new thing in your life and your 2016 is 
hands down, going to be the best year of your life, and you're not going to face any pain, you're not going to have any suffering, you're not going to have any trouble at all, because I can't make that promise. I can't find that in Scripture. But I can assure you that something new lies in store for you in 2016. And the way we receive what God has in store for us is paramount to what God wants to do in our lives. So even if we're dealt a hand that we would rather not be dealt, we can see that God shapes our lives even through difficult situations. And if we have the right attitude and the right mindset, then when God does whatever new in our life this year, then we can allow it to to grow us, to mature us, to help us to see him for who he is and experience great things. Now, I gave that disclaimer, but here's what I honestly believe and what I've been praying for your life. I've been praying specifically for all of us that God would do something so new and so refreshing in our life that we've never experienced before, that this will be a milestone year not only in your personal life, but in the, in the life of our church. That this would be a year specifically that we'll look back on for years to come and say, I remember 2016. That was the year that God fill in the blank. So let me read this scripture again. And then we're going to spend some time asking God just to do whatever he desires to do in our lives, both personally and as a church, and believe him for the best. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This is a reference to Exodus chapter 14 when the children of Israel were um, being rescued, being delivered by Moses, and they're being led away from Egyptian slavery and bondage. And as they're being led, they come to the Red Sea. And the Egyptians are telling them, their armies are chasing them, they're coming after them because they don't want them to leave. And on one side, they're faced by a destructive army that's seeking to bring them back into slavery or destroy them. And on the other side, there's a seeming impossible situation. They can't go over the sea. They don't have enough boats to get a million or so Israelites across the Red Sea, and they can't turn around and go back. They're basically stuck. They're stuck. You ever felt stuck? You ever prayed for something so much that you just feel like it's not making any progress? I've prayed till I'm blue in the face. If I pray another time, I think I'm going to faint. I'm just going to keep trying to pray, but it seems like such an impossible situation. I know many people have, have prayed um, for children Many people have prayed for relationships. Many people have prayed for promotions or new jobs. And it seems like as you pray for certain things in life, for whatever reason, they seem like they've become impossibilities. And so the nation of Israel was faced with an impossibility. They were faced with a threat behind them, and they had nowhere to go. And miraculously, the God of the universe parted the waters of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And as the threat came across behind them, God caused the waters to close and destroyed the Egyptians. And the children of Israel were delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. It was such a monumental mark in history for the nation of Israel that they would look back forever on that day and know that was the day that God showed up in an impossible 
situation. And notice that Isaiah starts out here by reminding them of what God did in the past. And I think it's important for us, if we're going to look for God to do something new in our life, to, to remember, to reflect upon what God has done in our past. That though we have impossible situations that we're staring down the barrel of, and it seems like there's no change possible in certain areas of our lives, we can remember that there is a God that we serve who's able to part seas and allow entire nations to cross on dry ground and be delivered from the hands of the enemies. And in a single breath, he can cause the waters to come back together and wipe out the nation of Israel. This is what Isaiah reminds the children of Israel of. But then what he says next is kind of odd, isn't it? He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I've just reminded you of something, but now I'm telling you to forget about it. Remember what God did? Stop dwelling on what God did. I think what he's getting at here is the fact that sometimes we have a tendency, just because of Maybe our own unbelief or maybe just because of how life goes and sometimes life wears us down is that it's easy for us, isn't it, to look back at what God's done in our past and think that that's the greatest thing that God could ever do for us. Right, nation of Israel, remember when God parted the Red Sea and wiped out the Egyptians and, and, and that was the day he delivered you and set you free? Well, stop dwelling on that. He wants to do something new in your life. That's not the end of the story for you. And I can look back on many milestones in my life. And I have a tendency, I have a, I have a habit of thinking that sometimes God's best is behind me. And that I've experienced such goodness, such blessing, such favor from God in different times of my life. That it's easy for me to look back and just view my current situation through the lens of my past experiences and think that where I am is helpless and hopeless because God has already done so much for me that I've like exhausted his blessings in my life. So we look back and we remember what God's done, but not so that that can be the milestone of our life, but so that we can be reminded that there's nothing impossible for God. And then we don't dwell on the past. We don't get stuck in the past. We don't allow the past to define us today. This is great news for all of us who have regrets, who have deep pains and hurts, because we can look at the past and we can be free from it and not dwell on it. And God can set us free and do a new thing. But also those of us who have had incredible experiences in 2015, who've had such blessed years, in 2015, we can look back and say, God did that for me, but there's still more ahead that he wants to do. That's not his best for me. He wants to do something new in my life. So it doesn't matter how good or how bad your life, your year, your months have been. It's important for us to look at the past and allow ourselves to still believe that God's best is still ahead of us. That he still can do something new in our lives. I believe that. It's been hard for me to embrace that at times, but I believe that God wants to do something new in the life of our church. See, I am doing a new thing. Notice that he doesn't say, I'm going to do a new thing. 
Notice that he doesn't say, forget what's behind and just kind of enter into this waiting zone and there's going to come a time in the future where I'm going to do something new. No, he says, see, open your eyes, I am doing a new thing. God in your life right now is always at work. He's always using the circumstances and situations and events in your life to shape your future. But many times we just don't perceive what God's doing in the moment because we're looking for something to come in the future. And we're looking for something that may look different than our current situations. But if we'll take the time to stop dwelling on the past and see, to perceive that right now, in this moment, in this season of my life, even if it's not been my best year, even if I feel like my best days are behind me, God is working in my current situation and he's doing a new thing for me. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And then I love this. He says, I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Speaking to a nation that's in exile to the Babylonians. In just a short period of history, Cyrus of the Persians is going to rise up and release them to go back to their homeland. But he's already begun the work in this moment. In a hopeless, helpless, exiled reality, God is saying to the nation of Israel, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It will spring up. I'm making a way in the desert, in the wilderness, and streams in the wasteland. And I just wanted to, to say to you this morning, I don't know all of your situations. I don't know what all of you are facing right now. And chances are some of you are facing some circumstances that you would rather not face that you perceive that something is coming in 2016 that you may not look forward to. You're hopeful for some changes in 2016. You would love for 2016 to play out in a certain way, but I just wanted to remind us this morning that God is doing something new in your life. That this year, He wants to do something in your life, and it's important for us to take time to center our hearts on Him so that we can perceive what He's doing in our lives, so that we can embrace what's new with open arms and not miss what God wants to do in this moment because we're waiting for something in the future or we're dwelling on something in the past. But we can take time right now at the beginning of this year to say, God, whatever you have in store for me this year, Whatever hardships are going to come my way, whatever blessings are going to come my way, whatever relationships are going to come my way, whatever financial circumstances are going to come my way, I want to see and perceive that you are at work in my life even now. And sometimes for us to perceive and to see what God's doing, we have to take a step back from our reality and just center our hearts and focus on what he's done in the past. So in just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be served the Lord's table, to receive Holy Communion. It's an opportunity for us to remember and reflect upon what God's done in our past.
I can't help but think that the Apostle Paul, when he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, had this passage in mind. God wants to do a new thing from Isaiah when he wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have gone, and all things have been made new. The reality that we are new creations in Christ is a reminder of God's ability to work in our life no matter where we've been or what we've done. It's a constant reminder that He made us new, meaning things changed, meaning our reality was altered, meaning who we were is not who we are currently. Now, I know that many of you, you, you don't like change. You get comfortable and you don't want things to change because that means uh, that you just have to figure things out all over again. And if you're OCD like me in some certain ways and you go to someone's house and you have to go use the restroom and the toilet paper comes off the bottom and you're just like, I don't understand this. Why would anybody want the toilet paper to come off the bottom? It's supposed to come off the top. And you take the liberty to change it for them then change for you is not something that you embrace. It's bad enough that you have to use the toilet paper in their home, much less if it's coming off the bottom. It just makes the experience all the worse. And there have been people that have come in my home, by the way, that have reversed the toilet paper, and I've never understood that. All of you that get toilet paper off the bottom, I know that there's supposed to be some kind of logical reason, but I just, it doesn't make sense. So if that's you, if you're that type of person, if you just can't stand change, if there are things that, just little bitty things that change, that just drive you nuts, that it may be hard for you to perceive what God wants to do in your life this year. And I'm just going to ask you, just, just to be vulnerable enough in the next few moments, just to step back and give God permission to speak to your hearts. Be reminded that He once made you new if you're in Christ, that who you once were is not who you are. And I want to read Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. It's just a passage of scripture that Matthew wrote that reflects upon the Lord's table. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He's sharing a meal with his disciples and he's giving them bread to eat and he's saying that it represents his body. He's giving them wine to drink, and he's saying that it represents his blood. He's foreshadowing his body being broken, his blood being shed for the remission of the sins of the men in the room, and he shares a final Passover meal with them. And he says, I'm not going to share this meal with you until we share it anew in my kingdom. Paul would say, as often as you drink, eat this bread, drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. So, what I want us to do for the next few moments, I'm going to ask Miriam to come back and she's going to sing a song for us.
is I'm going to invite you to partake of the Lord's table. And just simple instructions for you. You're going to find a loaf of bread on the table. You're going to find a glass of juice. And you can just break off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. And then you can eat the bread that's been dipped in the juice that represents the body of Christ, that represents the blood of Christ that was broken and shed for you. And allow it to be a reminder in this moment as you start a new year that in the past, God has done miraculous things for you. Whether you can perceive earthly, physical blessings this last year or whether it's been the worst year of your life, spiritually speaking, God has done miraculous things for you. He's made you new. You don't have to dwell on who you used to be. You can see that he's done a new thing in your life. And so we're going to be reminded of that as we eat the bread and drink of the cup. But then I want to extend another invitation to you outside of Holy Communion. As if you're here today and you say, I, I just feel like I'm staring into a wasteland. I feel like I'm staring into a desert. I feel like what's ahead of me is dry and barren. I feel like I'm facing an impossible situation. I feel like I've been praying for something over and over and I'm making no progress. I feel like my current situation just can't work any longer. I can't endure another year of what it's been. We're going to have a few couples down here that I'm going to invite you to come and just be prayed over. To come and just have the opportunity to share as much detail as you want with them and receive prayer for that specific thing in your life. And believing together that 2016, God is going to do something new in your life. That he would help us perceive it did he help us not dwell on the past? Did he help us expect and with open arms receive anything that he wants to send our way? And that this might be the year of breakthrough. That this might be the year that we see him do the impossible in us and through us. So as Miriam sings this song and begins to play, I want to invite you just, if you would like to receive the Lord's table today, knowing that this is designed according to Scripture for those who have placed their faith in Christ, who call themselves Christians, to make your way out of your seat to one of these tables on the outside and simply break off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and remember what God has done for you in the past. But then in anticipation of Him doing something new, that that's not the best that he has for you, that he still has plans for you, that he still has something new ahead of you. I want to invite you to come and, and be prayed over. Maybe you just want to make your way back to your seat and just sing the words of the song or have them sung over you or just spend some time on your own praying. Whatever that looks like for you, would you just take a few moments and remember and then look ahead and anticipate that God has great things in store for you this year.